for unskippable, no click baiting, and cookie free with lots of real followers and likes. Place your sales campaign on SAFM. Radio is still the best place to advertise your business at affordable rates. SAFM with its national footprint and top personalities offer advertisers distinctive opportunities to reach their target audience. Email sales at safm.co.za SAFM, the influencer you can trust. Bridget Masinga on the art of everything. It is a Friday evening and it's always beautiful to see that uh, our footprint goes beyond our own borders and uh, reaches out into the rest of Serek. Seeing Lesotho uh, is uh, listening in tonight and sharing the evening with us. Thank you for choosing us. Uh, myself and my team are ever so happy to be bringing you some art and culture uh, content on this Friday evening. Right now, we're going to shift our focus a little bit and uh, delve into film, documentary filmmaking, to to be more specific. And uh, we're going to focus on a documentary that is featuring the life of martial arts teacher uh, Tukhera Flowers. And it is uh, co-directed by Jesse Zine alongside Sarah Dugovea. And they're both on the line uh, one coming through from uh, South African soil and the other is abroad enjoying what I'm presuming is summer somewhere fabulous. Uh, good evening, ladies. Good evening. Hi. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for, for joining me on this Friday evening. Uh, I mean, this is really interesting. I just saw the uh, clip of the documentary Like Water is the title and it tells the story of Tejeda Flowers uh, as I mentioned who is a martial arts teacher and before we even get to I guess the nitty gritties of the story but what was the intrigue for you ladies um, you know to tell the story about a 73 year old martial arts teacher uh, perhaps Sarah you can give me some background uh, sure uh, so I'd actually read an article on the Sensei a couple of years ago, uh, and I was just very curious because it's not the sort of story that you expect to find in Cape Town. Mm. <laughs> uh, so uh, the curiosity was sparked then, uh, and then Jesse and I, I suppose we had been working on other projects together, and then we decided to call Sensei and to come to the to the dojo just to check out the space. Mm. Uh, and when we went there, luckily for us, I suppose, in terms of the story we ended up telling, uh, that's when we met Nawar, the little girl that's featured in the film as well. Yeah. It was a, it was a very, uh, very first lesson. Uh, so she was kind of very green, <laughs> uh, which was great in terms of us being able to sort of follow that narrative of someone really starting from scratch and, and learning all these you know, wisdom from the sensei. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you mentioned something interesting, and perhaps, Jesse, you, you can uh, pick up on that for us. Uh, you know, the, the fact that this wasn't something you would expect typically out of Cape Town. And when I saw the clip, I thought to myself, well, one wouldn't necessarily expect a 73-year-old conservative Islamic woman to be a sensei. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was 
absolutely an incredibly fascinating and new world that both Sarah and I had very, very little, um, you know, knowledge about before we stepped into it and started investigating it for the film. Uh, you know, I think part of the intrigue and kind of our amazement and awe um, for Sensei and the entire Karaki school is the fact that wrapped up within the school and its history are all of these themes and ideas surrounding resistance. So, mm. you know, when Sensei started Karaki in the 70s, um, on multiple levels, that was a form of radical resistance. Mm. Um, firstly, the fact that there were very... There was very little organized sport in, in the area, in the Cape class in the 70s. Mm. And then, of course, also the fact that she was one of the first women to really, uh, you know, get very far in the karate world. I mean, even in the film, she mentioned that her mom at the time, you know, said to her, well, this is not a sport for women. Mm. And so she really kind of cultivated over the years this, this safe space that is like an act of resistance in of itself. But also, of course, karate as a sport is a resistance sport. You know, mm. it's about self-defense. And it's about bringing, it's about creating a safe space for women and young girls in the community to come in, you know, to be able to practice this incredible sport in their full hijab um, if, they, if they wear it, if they're religious. Mm. And, yeah, to be in a safe space surrounding a lot of incredible female figures in the community, which we just thought was, really really remarkable and very unique yeah this is quite the layered documentary as most documentaries are but uh, th- this is not just a one-dimensional story as you've mentioned about uh, sensei Tukhira flowers uh, but it also tells the story of the, the the young student who's really really young i think a lot of people uh, you know if they have the, the pleasure one day of coming across the documentary will see that we're talking about someone who's relatively very young here but it, it also tells an historical story uh, of the community that's also juxtaposed against the timelines of these two lives of, of these two women. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, I don't know. If that, you, you can take, take it. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a, it's a really, I'm sorry also if you can hear airplanes in the background and in like a, a very busy air field area Do not stress. Um, in California. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a super interesting intergenerational story. I think also for us, you know, when you have someone like Sensei, who's 72, she's the one who really started this entire movement within mm. the kids' flat. And then, you know, so you have her in a way representing this kind of past generation. And then in, in the middle, you have, of course, um, you know, the, the middle-aged people within the community, from which Noir, the main character that you mentioned, the mm. little girl of six, at the time when we started filming, mm. um, she comes from a long lineage of karatikas. So, and then of course with her, you know, being this newest inductee, she kind of, in a way, represents the future, mm. and not just the future as it relates to karate, but you know, the future as it relates, of course, to this country with, within the space as it relates to her community. Mm. And we we just thought that it was really important to not only focus on the historical aspects, but also try and tell a more present tense story that also speaks to a future, really. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're talking to co-directors of Like Water, uh, a documentary that uh, charts the life of uh, Tahira, uh, as well as uh, Noir, Sarah and Jesse join me on the line. Um, and I wanted to find out, Sarah, like... When one shoots a documentary, especially of this nature, because you're going into the lives and the experiences of, of, of these women, how do you, 
not only tell a very compelling story and, and, and capture it very authentically, but also bring out that very compassionate side without, I guess, with, with you know, it, I don't even know how to put this, with, without sort of having that intrusion and that invasion of cameras. It, it's quite a fine line. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone working in documentary has to deal with that on a daily basis. Uh, I think you have to always be very respectful of people's spaces, make sure that everyone's comfortable. Um, and then also, it's, I think it's, you know, if you come from a place of honesty and you really want to tell a good story, uh, I think that you need to look at the people you're working with because these films, they always become a sort of a collaboration between filmmakers and the protagonists because they are allowing you into their lives. Mm. So I think that you, you know, you, you just, you need to, I think, yeah, I think if you have respect for the people you're working with, that will come across in the work. I don't think it's something that you need to sort of manufacture. You know, it's it's there already. And I think with someone like Sensei, for instance, I mean, she's such a sweet person. She's very welcoming. Uh, she's very wise as well, very calm, uh, very giving. Mm. Uh, and I don't think that we really needed to highlight that. It mm. just comes across from her as a person. And Noir, like Noir, she's, she's, she was a little girl, you know, so she had that sort of more like raw energy, very playful. Yeah. Um, so I think it just became just, you know, it, I suppose it's more like negotiating access. But once the access has been negotiated, then you're really just portraying people as you see them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so, and speaking mm-hmm. of that negotiating access, Sarah, how does that conversation go? So you walk into the dojo with the intention of just checking things mm-hmm. out. Um, and then you meet this fascinating little six-year-old bundle of character. Um, and how does that conversation go with her parents or her guardians to say, you know, we, we'd like to to chart this journey for X amount of time? Yeah. Well, I mean, when we started, I guess we didn't really know for how long we were going to be working on the documentary. I think it took uh, longer than we expected, also because we started seeing the story uh, developing, so we realized we needed to to, to wait for longer uh, mm. to have more of a narrative. Uh, but what happened was on the first day when we when we went to the dojo, um, Noir's mom was there. She was uh-huh. she was present. So uh, Jesse actually was the one who uh, instantly spoke to her. We actually did an interview with her that first day, and she was very very keen to you know to accommodate for us. So she was also very welcoming. Uh, so I think in a way it was also luck, you know, the mm. people that we encountered. I think sometimes it's a little bit of that as well. Uh, so we didn't really have to negotiate that much, I don't think. I think people were just kind of, you know, happy that the story was being told. Yeah. Uh, and I just uh, finally, Jesse, I mean, the, the documentary has, has done quite a, a, a bit of festivals now, uh, including the Encounter South African International Documentary Festival, as well as the New York Portuguese Short Film Festival. And what has the reception been? You know, people um, just looking at the lives of, of these two characters. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting time, as we all know, because of COVID, everything mm. is still online with festivals. And so uh, it presents two kind of different opportunities. On the one hand, it's really great because it means that a lot more people can access the film. Mm. You know, people who wouldn't have been able to have necessarily gone to the screening in person. And so in that regard, it's, it's been amazing, I think, 
just being able to share it with a, a much wider audience than mm-hmm. we would have necessarily been able to have done in person. Um, but, you know, it's also kind of difficult sometimes with these with these platforms because it sometimes feels like you're just throwing things into the void and, like, mm. you know, <laughs> you're not really sure, like, even if people are watching. But I, I think we both received really, really, really great positive feedback after specifically the local screening at Encounters. And, of course, that's the most important one because that is the, you know, that's the audience that we're primarily making the films for um, and within. And so... I think it's been a really rewarding experience so far, and we're both really looking forward to uh, the spaces that the film can still enter, and hopefully, fingers crossed, at some point have an in-person live screening. Yeah, I mean, that would be absolutely incredible. Already my mind is, you know, a million miles ahead, and I'm thinking, well, wouldn't a follow-up be great in a couple of years, with especially New yeah. Art, to see yeah. if she's continued her martial arts and, and yeah. how it's impacted her over the years? <laughs> We actually we actually managed to visit her um, a few months ago at, we, where we actually showed, we did a screening with the entire family present yeah. um, in their house, which was phenomenal. And we asked her, we, you know, how the Rocky was going. And she's like, eh, not really interested in it anymore. I'm not going to ballet. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll find a new five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, listen, a girl can change her mind. It's her prerogative. <laughs> Ladies, congratulations on this documentary. Uh, I hope it has a beautiful run across festivals across the world uh, and maybe scoops up an award or two. It's a beautiful story, well told, well shot. Um, and you girls did it with such compassion and and such uh, authenticness and honesty to the characters. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking our call. Uh, That was the the co-directors of Like Water, Sarah Digovea, as well as uh, Jesse Zine. Hey, listen, the show went international today from Johannesburg to L.A. to New York. uh, And that's just how we love to do it because uh, South Africans and Africans alike, we're all over the world telling incredible stories. And uh, we must find the spaces to connect with each other and hopefully even collaborate with each other just just to make... uh, Uh, you know, the creative and cultural pie bigger and better. We're going to take some music now in the last 20 minutes of the show. It is the art of everything with myself, Bridget Masinga.